Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Uh, publicly, and I'm—you need to know where I stand. I'll always tell you where I stand on issues and on people. And I have great admiration for our next guest. I really think he should be the prime minister of this country. He's the premier of Saskatchewan, and he uh, represents his people, his province, exceedingly well. And um, well, I'm just a fan of Brad Wall. Period. Joins us on the Roy Green Show. On the Chorus Radio Network, Premier, thank you very much for taking the time. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Roy, thanks for having me on, and thanks for your kindness. Let me start with this. Uh, get, get your thoughts on the developing story out of Europe, the free trade deal between Europe and Canada, CETA, C-E-T-A. Christia Freeland, our minister involved, was very emotional yesterday, and news reports suggest that she was on the brink of tears. She says now it's Canada's not going to take any more, make any more moves. It's up to the Europeans. What is what is your sense of this of this free trade agreement for Canada and Europe? Well, CETA is important for the country. It's it's important for agriculture in particular uh, to to our province's economic interests. But obviously, the uh, the importance of the agreement goes beyond that one sector. Um, you know, I, we also as a government have been calling on first the Harper government and now the Trudeau government to to really focus on Asia uh, because that's where, as you know, Wayne Gretzky's saying was uh, uh, when they asked why he was so good, he, he said he was never really worried about where the puck is. He was more worried about where the puck was going to be. Well, the puck is in Asia now and it's going to be there for a long time in terms of growth and in terms of demand for things that Canada has. And so seed is very important. Uh, we, we've been supportive of it from the very beginning. We remain supportive. We also hope the government continues to focus on the Asian opportunity for Canada. All right, Premier, let's talk about this carbon tax that the Prime Minister of Canada seems to be, well, not seems to be, is determined is going to become a fact of life in in Canada. You tweeted earlier today, how many jobs should we risk for a carbon tax to make us feel good while having no impact on global GHGs? Not one. Please speak to that. Well, first of all, uh, if the carbon tax helps get Canada to its target of 30% below 2005 levels, and by the way, uh, our position is, and if you look even at what BC's experience has been where emissions have gone up, absolute emissions have gone up since 2010, there's really little prospect of carbon taxes reducing uh, emissions uh, if that's all, you know, if that's the, the meat or the heart of the, the policy. Uh, and even if it, though, it were to be successful, we're talking about then 30% of 1.6% because Canada's emissions account for 1.6% of global emissions. So something less than a third of that, if we happen to get to the target, uh, a third of 1.6%, and it's worth repeating, uh, is what we're talking about here. And that will not change the planet's temperature. It won't uh, you know, fix the climate change issue or address it in any meaningful way. And that's, I guess, our point. When we proposed the alternative this weekend, I was talking about the fact that there are 2,400 
coal plants on the books and being built now in the world, 2,400. Emissions from those plants, 6.5 billion tons per year when they're built. Even the president of the, uh, of the World Bank has said, if Asia goes ahead with their coal plans, Paris is dead. And I'm paraphrasing, but not much used. It is finished. That was his, that's a direct quote. So I'm saying, why don't we as Canadians lead in technology? We've, we've set the foundation for it in our province in terms of the world's only post-combustion uh, capture unit on a coal plant that's working today. That's generation one of the technology. Let's get to generation two, three, and four so you can deploy it effectively, cost-effectively. Uh, and what we're saying to the prime minister is we need some man-moon mission boldness around this. I mean, what was it, 10 years before there was... Uh, manned space flight, Kennedy, uh, man on the moon, Kennedy called for that country to do that. That's the kind of technological focus we need. If we're serious about it, if we're serious about climate change, let's not kid ourselves with carbon taxes uh, or pricing carbon. Let's focus on technology that will actually do something about the problem. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau uh, has himself said that the Canadian economy is sliding so, uh, and you tweeted, Fed's own report admits the carbon tax would force companies to leave Canada and force many job losses. So uh, the question that you're, I hear you asking is, why at this time do you want to introduce a tax that's going to prove to be a negative onto the, to the economy and to job creation? This is a very large country, obviously. We have a number of trade-exposed industries. In fact, our, our biggest industries are trade-exposed. We have to get those goods to market. That take, there's a long distance to get them across the country, never mind to the markets around the world. So that economy, our economy, is going to be particularly vulnerable to, uh, to, a layer, to adding another layer of costs that are focused on carbon. Um, for our province, carbon-intense industries include agriculture, oil, oil and gas, and mining, and some large manufacturing. Well, that's the very heart of our economy. Uh, and... If the economy is weakening now, as the finance minister himself has said, then this is clearly not the time to be talking about $10 a ton carbon tax escalated to $50 a ton. You know, and I, when I spoke earlier this week in, uh, in Regina to lay out our position, because I don't believe it's good enough just to complain. We wanted to provide an alternative. But we had to set the context. You know, uh, we, uh, we have great pulse farmers in Saskatchewan. We're the leading pulse growers in the world. A lentil farmer in Saskatchewan with a 10 escalating to $50 carbon tax, Roy, will be competing with a lentil farmer in North Dakota that has no such tax. And we are kidding ourselves if we think there will ever be a national carbon tax in the United States. doesn't matter who the president's going to be. I think we've seen how their system of government deals with any effort to, to, uh, to, to put a price on or limit even CO2. Uh, the Obama's tried through through his EPA unsuccessfully. Same would be true for mining. You know, the uh, the how generous do we think Mr. Uh, uh, Putin's going to be with respect to implementing a carbon tax on his potash mines or his counterpart in Belarus, their potash mines? It's not going to happen. We'll be at a competitive disadvantage. What about oil? The Bakken Formation is the largest geological oil formation in North America, bigger than Prudhoe Bay, and we share it begrudgingly with uh, North Dakota and Montana. We try to take care of, by the way, by, uh, take care of that through some horizontal drilling, but we share it in all seriousness. So well, if there's no carbon tax in the North Dakota side of the back in formation, but there's a carbon tax in, in the Estevan Weyburn area, where do you think the rigs are going to go? This will cost the Canadian economy. There's no mistake uh, about it uh, because companies are going to go where it's 
uh, where it's most advantageous to uh, to try to invest. Uh, and I guess that's part of the concern we have with respect to the economy and the impact of the carbon tax. One final point, Roy, if I may. We had even the Minister Goodale, who uh, is from Saskatchewan, was in the media here in our province in the wake of the Prime Minister's surprise announcement on a carbon tax. And he said, well, don't worry, Brad, you can give all the car- $2.5 billion in carbon taxes, because that's how much it'll take out of these industries in our province alone. You can give it all back in income tax. <clears throat> well, that would be great if you still have a job and you're paying income tax. It's not so great when the carbon tax itself uh, dismantles key sectors of the economy and you don't have people making an income because they've lost their job. Yeah, Premier, you can't, I mean, they can't just provide part A of the equation. They have to provide part B as well. And I hear the Prime Minister talking about hundreds of thousands of exciting new jobs being brought online by the, the, their, um, the carbon tax and the initiatives of the federal government re uh, climate change. But it's also the same thing that the province of Ontario said about hundreds of thousands of exciting new jobs coming online with their electricity program. And all the Ontario consumer is seeing is massive increases in electricity prices, and they're going to continue, and we don't see any significant increase in the numbers of jobs um, in, in the province. So, uh, Right. It, ha- it hasn't happened anywhere. No, you don't no it hasn't. You're right. You do a huge spike in green jobs in California. Nova Scotia undertook some very difficult decisions. It's why... Premier McNeil is opposed to the carbon tax. He's saying we're already hitting our targets. Uh, there, you know, there was a report, a study out that showed that the green jobs promised uh, by the previous government in Nova Scotia uh, for the policies it took on energy have not have not uh, have not materialized. Um, you know, there's a reason what Australia voted. You know, they moved away from the carbon tax. They had one for a while, and they're moving away from it. So there's a challenge here to those who are advocates for this carbon tax. Number one, the shining example that's often pointed to is is in our country, in British Columbia. You see absolute emissions have gone up. Um, the economy's strong, to be sure. Uh, and I think uh, I'm a fan of Premier Clark's good economic leadership there. But the bottom line is absolute emissions have gone up. Uh, and with respect to the jobs, uh, the, the green jobs that are promised when you do these things, they haven't actually manifest when become manifest in places that have implemented something similar. I spoke with, and we'll have to take a break here, but I spoke with Sammy Wilson, the Environment Minister and Finance Minister for Northern Ireland, and he called, the, and I'm paraphrasing, but he called the carbon tax, uh, he called it a uh, cap-and-trade, he called it an absolute job killer, and, and that's the bottom line from the former Minister of the Environment and uh, Finance for Northern Ireland on this program. I played part of the interview for you last weekend. When we come back, more with Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, who's also said, we'll defend our interests, we will defend our economy that pays for the quality of life we want for all Saskatchewan people, and we'll fight for our interest in the court of public opinion, which the Premier's doing right now, and if need be, the courts of the land. We'll talk to him about that, to the Premier about that in just a minute. Taking on the Titans, standing up for the little guy. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. Follow me there at the Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And you can listen back to anything we air, including the interview with Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall at RoyGreenshow.com in the podcast. Uh, the Prime Minister, this carbon tax um, issue, we have the f- provincial ministers of the environment all meeting with the 
federal minister when suddenly the prime minister decided he would sort of upend everyone and announce his carbon tax in parliament, which caused uh, quite some discontent among provincial environment ministers. Um, your minister was there, Mr. Premier, Brad Wall, Premier of Saskatchewan, is my guest. What, what's your alternative, Mr. Premier? And you've said we'll defend our interests, we'll defend our economy that pays for the quality of life we want for all Saskatchewan people, and we will fight for our interests in the court of public opinion and, if need be, in the courts of the land. What are you telling the Prime Minister? Well, we've said publicly that we are looking at what legal options we would have should the federal government try to impose this uh, this on Saskatchewan. I think there's a big a big question here, even for provinces that aren't opposed to the Prime Minister's plan. You know, Ontario and Quebec are they have a cap-and-trade agreement, a cap-and-trade market they're developing together with California. But consider this, Roy. The last auction for the California cap-and-trade market was 8 bucks a tonne. The, the first year of the mandated Trudeau carbon tax is 10 bucks a tonne. So what does he do then? Uh, what happens if in year two or three of the Trudeau uh, plan, of the Trudeau carbon tax, the market, the cap-and-trade market that Ontario and Quebec and California are engaged in is only generating a price of $10 a ton? Does he, how, does he, how does he even impose the difference, you know, the extra 10 bucks a ton or whatever ever he deems is to be the, the new national tax slash price on carbon? Uh, we're going to be asking, uh, we've asked our Attorney General and our Justice Ministry to determine what, options we have and if we think we have a credible option in the courts we're going to take it i, I had a chance for to talk to the prime minister the day after the surprise announcement and it was disappointing uh, uh prime minister is, is con- has uh, committed himself to a collaborative approach to federalism and i i don't think it gets less collaborative than standing up while the environment ministers are meeting in montreal standing up in the house of commons and unilaterally announcing the plan that ostensibly ministers of the environment are supposed to be working on but i talked to him the next day and i asked him another question i said what are surely before you stood up to announce a transformational change to how we tax the economy that's what this is this is a huge change surely there must be a federal full-blown economic impact assessment so that the federal government can look canadians in the eyes and say yes we're doing this in the name of 1.6 percent of global emissions and here's what it might mean to your job the bottom line is they don't have one they haven't done one there's some some reports the working groups, the provincial federal working groups have, and that's the one uh, you quoted off the top of the show that talks about carbon leakage where investment might move to non-carbon taxing jurisdictions like the U.S. But there's not an economic impact assessment. And I said in the speech this week, I said, you know, in our province, if you're going to affect two garter snakes and a frog by moving a culvert, we need an economic impact assessment or an environmental impact assessment. Surely there is an economic impact assessment on this transformational tax change, and there isn't. So I'm worried about the due diligence that has or has not gone into this. Uh, we can't, the Prime Minister can't tell farmers, people in the oil industry, miners, people in manufacturing, what it's going to do, forestry, what it might do to their jobs. And I think we bet that's, that's, I think that's the very least a government better be able to do when they ask them to take, uh, uh, to take steps in terms of in, any environmental plan. Particularly during an economics uncertain time like today, which the finance minister agrees is is fact. There was a poll that asked Canadians if they'd support a national carbon tax directed toward creating a green energy if a new pipeline were simultaneously built to deliver Canada's oil and gas to international markets. Premier, I don't understand why the two have to be linked build the pipelines because we need to get our oil and gas to international markets. It's for the economic benefit of all Canadians and discuss the carbon tax separately. Why do they have to be linked? Roy, I could not agree with you more. 
this is very frustrating that it's almost become de rigueur in this country to link the two and say, well, you know, I guess it's this notion of social license, which everyone has a different definition for. But the fact that you can sort of link these two, that it's a quid pro quo. Look, Western Canada, if you look, self-immolate with a tax on the industries that actually drive your economies. Yeah, then maybe some other region of the country or the federal government might approve your pipeline. Imagine if we did apply the test to cars being shipped out of southern Ontario across the country. If we asked to measure their greenhouse gas footprint of the cars when they're being manufactured and the life of those cars when they're being driven around, and and then maybe if the greenhouse gas emissions of that process and those cars uh, were low enough and they met some sort of test, maybe we would allow them on the train, on on the railroad uh, through the rest of the country. Imagine if we did the same thing to chemicals that are produced off, well, in Ontario or anywhere else, or cement from Quebec. Uh, those that are involved in the steel industry in Quebec do a lot of business in Saskatchewan. Imagine if we said, you know, we, we've checked it out, and your steel plants, their emissions are a little high, and so if you would just hit this level, if you would just reduce them to this, then maybe you could continue to do business. But if you don't, we're not buying any more of your steel. That's, it's, not a, it's not a country then, Roy. It's just not a country. It's a series of, of regions that have to, where you have to meet some sort of futile test before your product can move across the country, either from another, perhaps from another subnational, or in this case, from the federal government. And I, I categorically reject that. That's, that's, not, that's not a country to me. That's not yeah. how Canada or any other federation should work. Premier, I have about 30 seconds. So far, Justin Trudeau has delivered two, or will deliver, two, said he's delivering $2.6 billion to the taxpayer, of taxpayer dollars to the United Nations climate bureaucrats. What are you telling me should do with that? You know, we're saying uh, he's got a, a $2 billion clean fund, a clean energy fund in this country, and that's a good thing. We're saying put the 2.6 into that and uh, let companies like Sask Power in our province find the next generation technology to fit to, uh, for the clean coal that's working in southeast Saskatchewan. Now, let's get the cost lowered so that those 2,400 plants that are on the books are being built in Asia have a chance to be built with technology like ours that burns coal four times cleaner than natural gas because right. that is exactly what's happening. We're saying let's find the technology here, make that available to the developing world and, and other you know places like China so we can actually do something about the problem yeah. instead Premier, of taxing it and feeling good about it. Premier Wall, thank you so much for the time. I always enjoy the opportunity to speak with you. I um, appreciate this, Roy. Thanks critically important issue, critically important. Thank you, Premier Brad Wall of Saskatchewan on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. When we come back, it'll be Catherine Swift, Michelle Simpson, Linda Leatherdale, Beauties on the Beast, And I know they'll have some thoughts about what they heard the Premier say. Stick around.